When it comes to money, there can be lots of feelings of shame, anxiety, guilt, or even sadness. But what if you can cultivate a feeling of having enough and enjoy a happy relationship with money? In this episode, I interview Ken Honda, author of Happy Money, who shares his tips on transforming your money mindset. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, The Mental Health and Wealth Show, The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to The Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lagert, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing Ken Honda, aka The Zen Millionaire. He's the best-selling self-development author in Japan and wrote Happy Money, the Japanese art of making peace with your money. His writings bridge the gap of topics between finance and self-help, focusing on creating and generating personal wealth and happiness through deeper self-honesty. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show, Ken. Thank you, Melanie. uh, I'm so happy to be invited by you. Yes, I know you're going to share so much knowledge for our guests today. And, you know, I just recently read your book, which I thought was phenomenal. Obviously, as the host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show, I'm so invested in this relationship between money and mental health and emotions and have been very personally affected by money and debt and a lot of the you know thoughts that you have in your book I've thought myself and it was just so refreshing to read what you wrote but one of the main things that I was so curious about which I'm sure a lot of people are is that you actually semi-retired when you were 29 mm-hmm. to stay at home with your daughter. I know everyone wants yes. to know, how were you able to accomplish such a feat? You know, I started very young. I started my business when I was 21. And uh, luckily, sort of like a similar situation now, it was a bubble economy at the time. So all the investment um, shut up. So I was lucky to be able to be successful as an investor too. And I had a consulting business, which I started when I was 23. So I helped, I supported my clients to be successful. And I got commission out of all the businesses that they owned. So, um, you know, I wasn't a billionaire, but I was comfortable enough to be able to retire at least, you know, five, 10 years. And um, I thought, this is the moment that I should not uh, waste. So I thought uh, in my 20s, it's kind of absurd for Japanese men to stop working. You know, it, that's the time you start working, right? <laughs> yeah. So a, a lot of people, a lot of my friends thought I was crazy. Like, really? You know, I mean, when you are going to have a baby, that's a time when you start working hard for the baby. You know, it's not the time to stop working. But I, I, I adore John Lennon, who spent a few years with um, his son. 
uh, Shannon, I think. So uh, I think having at least a few months off for your baby girl or boy is going to be so precious. So I recommend it to er、um, many people. And in fact, after my best selling、uh, books, a lot of young Japanese guys in their 20s and 30s they start taking monetary leave, which is like almost like a shame, you know, <laughs> in a society.、Yeah. But You know, legally、uh, they can. So, like, they're just, I'm, ju I'm just following Ken Honda. So, I'm so happy I'm creating a, a new culture here. Yes, I love that you are a trendsetter in setting this kind of new tradition of men staying home and、mm -hmm. being able to support the child. I think, you know, as a feminist myself, I love to see that kind of support coming from men and being able to kind of buck that tradition. And from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you. Had a lot of really great investments at the right time. And you had a really great business prospect that you know, was able to get you that money. Yes, I think you need both. Yeah, yeah, I think that's、mm -hmm. so、um, important. you know, I'm a business owner myself, and, and one of the attractive parts about having a business is theoretically it's limitless income, right? You know, when you go to a job,、right. you kind of trade your time for dollars. But when you are a business owner, theoretically, the income is limitless. Obviously, it depends on time and skills and so many other things. But obviously, you know, you made that work to your advantage. And I love that you were able to turn that around to actually kind of invest in your family first. What were those first few years like? So, you know, people may think that it's a dream life, but for me, it's almost like a Getting lost in the forest of, you know, 100 acre forest, like、uh, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. You know, the time, time stops. So everything is like very slow. So my friends worry about me because I started、uh, speaking very slowly, you know. <laughs> And,、uh, <laughs> but in other words, people around me,、uh, I, I was scared because people talked fast, people moved fast, people were always like frustrated. They have to be somewhere else. And, and so,、uh, in other words, I was in a forest of 100 acres with my daughter and with my wife. So the time is flowing very differently from, from the other world. So、um, it's almost like mini heaven for, for us. I love that you used money to kind of buy yourself time because money is something that we can theoretically make more of again and again and again, but time is something we can't get back. And so, you know, you were there with your child during those formative years that you're never going to get again. And so, to be able to use Money as this resource to buy time, this resource that you can't actually buy and you can't actually get more of. I think that is so beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, I was so lucky. So, after a few years, I thought if my friends could do the same, that's why,、uh, that's why I started writing、uh, short essays, which is about 26 pages. And I staple them every day and give them to my friends. And,、uh, and people loved it. So, I just Copy them more and the stapled again. And that was original, sort of like the start of my career as an author. I love that. That's so DIY and amazing that you just started writing these kind of short essays and stapling them together. And that seems like that, <laughs> I that had was a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> 
that seems like it was the foundation of your book, Happy Money. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just read it and yes. completely loved it. So for people who haven't read the book yet, how do you describe happy money? And what is the importance of happy money? Thank you for asking. Happy money is money that makes you smile when you receive it. And it gives you joy when you spend it. Unfortunately, most of us feel frustrated when we receive money in the form of salary or just uh, income from freelance work. We complain about how little we get paid. And also, we feel bad, we feel sometimes angry, upset when we spend money or when we pay off debt or pay bills because we feel some part of it is taken, almost like ripped away from us. So we feel pain when we spend money. That's unhappy money. So happy money makes you smile. Unhappy money makes you feel, ooh, you know, irritated and tense. That's the difference. I love that. How can people start to attract more happy money into their lives? It's very simple. All you have to do is arigato your money. Thank you money when it comes in and thank you money when it goes out. It's as simple as that. But at the beginning, you have a hard time doing it because appreciating your money No way, I'm frustrated with money. So unless you change this mindset of abundant mentality, you will be stuck in this frustration with money forever. And it doesn't really matter how much money you have or how much money you make. It gives you frustration if you let it. But you can keep smiling if you start thanking money coming in, going out. I love that and think that is so beautiful. And that actually... Brings me to my next question. You know, in the book, you discuss these concepts of money EQ and money IQ. I know some people are kind of familiar with these concepts, but I'd love for you to share, you know, what do these concepts actually mean and how do they play out in our lives? Yeah, thank you. You keep asking great questions, Melanie. I'm I'm so happy (laughs) to answer uh, your questions. I actually wrote a book on money EQ and money IQ, which became a national bestseller in Japan. I hope I I can translate some of that into uh, English. But the point is, uh, there are two parts of money knowledge, and I divided into money IQ and money EQ. You know, I was born into a family. My my father was a successful tax accountant. He taught me everything about money since I was five. So that's why I I became very successful in my early 20s. You know, I had all the money education, mostly money IQ, which is how to make money, how to save money, how to protect it, how to grow it. So those, uh, that kind of knowledge is available anywhere uh, in the world. But the thing I want to focus today is money EQ, which is emotional intelligence. Even the smartest people on earth uh, running hedge funds, you know, they make billions of money, but in a few years, they could lose everything. You know, I'm sure you heard of the news like that. The reason is that they're emotionally not smart, and that is uh, their emotional intelligence is low. That means you are driven by greed. You're driven by this desire to do more and more. That's why the smartest people make stupid mistakes emotionally, and they, they could end up losing everything. So emotional intelligence is super important. It's more important than money IQ, which is, in, you know, just intelligence and knowledge, because you could blow everything. And it's, it's true with relationships too. Uh, our emotions 
could be in our way of having a beautiful relationships. Yeah, so it sounds like money IQ is really kind of the tactical knowledge of how to manage and invest money. And like you said, you can learn that from a lot of different books and places online. But money EQ is really this emotional relationship to money, how you feel about money. And as we've seen time and time again, our mindset affects our behavior. Behavior affects our spending and our saving and our feelings about money, our feelings about self-worth. You know, we all have spending triggers that can encourage us to spend more, maybe when we're happy or when we're depressed or when we're stressed out. And these are all the kind of things that I, I it sounds like to me go under the umbrella of, of money EQ. And kind of related to that, a lot of people suffer from scarcity mindset. You know, I think mm-hmm. scarcity mindset comes almost naturally for a lot of people. There's this feeling that there's never enough and that, you know, the goalpost is always moving and that, you know, you reach this level and then you want more and then you reach this level and you want more. And there's just yes. this constant fear and kind of low grade anxiety humming in the background at all times. How can people actively start to improve their relationship with money and get out of that scarcity mindset and into one of abundance? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's important is you have to feel at some point that you have more than enough. So you have to decide when is enough, how much is enough. Otherwise, you keep wanting more. It's almost like you're falling into a hell of wanting more. You want, you want to eat more food, you want to uh, make more money, and it's a it's form of addiction. And the, the tragedy is if you think making $1 million will bring you perfect life. And when you reach $1 million annual income mark, you are surrounded by friends who make $3 million a year. So you feel miserable, <laughs> even if you make $1 million. And if you just reach a $5 million a year income level, you know, you should uh, look at yourself as a successful person, but then you'll be surrounded by friends who have big private jets, right? So uh, there's no end. So what's important is right now, if you can, use this word, I have more than enough. I'm so happy because I have more than enough. Uh, actually, you do. Even though you're in debt, you know, you have food on the table, you have a house uh, that warms you up, in, in the snowing, and you have enough clothes. Uh, I talk to thousands of people all the time, and I ask people, how many of you don't have enough clothes to survive? And we all laugh because we know, you know, we have uh, different colors of short, like yellow, pink, and white, and black, right? And uh, so we have more than enough, way, way more than enough for survival. But at the same time, we've been brainwashed to, to think that we don't have enough. If we have one car, you should have one more. If you have one house, you should have a second home somewhere in a, in a mountain. If you have a, a, a house in a mountain, how about a house by the seaside, right? So it's endless. So uh, you have to draw a line. What What is enough for you? I love that and think that that's such an important concept that I've been thinking about a lot lately is this concept of enough because I you know, have financial goals, obviously, I consider myself an ambitious person. And so 
obviously there's this wanting more, this desire to grow, which I think is natural. But then also when I really think about it, it is like, yeah, I do have enough. And I think so many people kind of get trapped in this I'll be happy when syndrome. I'll be happy when I hit six figures. I'll be happy when I reach this. And to defer our happiness to these goals just robs ourselves of this joy in the present. And I think the one good thing that has come from COVID is that we have all seen that we really do have enough. We've all kind of learned that we've had to go back to basics. I mean, you know, we've just been kind of stuck in our houses and it's like, but you know what? I'm really grateful that I have a house and I'm grateful that I have Mm. Netflix to pass the time. And I'm grateful I do have a mask to wear when I'm outside. And I'm grateful that I do have clothes. And, you know, as of this recording, there's a huge storm all over the U.S. So many people are without power and electricity. Yes, I watched the CNN, yes. For Mm -hmm. days. And so it just reminds me, like, I'm so grateful for hot water. I'm so grateful for electricity. I'm so grateful for warmth. And, you know, if we can really get back to basics and realize that we have enough in this moment. We can't obviously strive for more, but also psychologically accept that we have enough. And so we can want more, but it doesn't have to be the cause of our suffering, right? Yes, exactly. We have to train ourselves once again that we can appreciate uh, for very, very tiny little thing in our life. And once you start focusing on appreciation, you cannot worry at the same time, you know. So appreciating money works because if you keep appreciating about money, you will forget, oh, how can I worry about money? Because worrying and appreciating cannot coexist together. Oh, that's so beautiful. Worrying and appreciating cannot coexist together. I love that. And, you know, this practice of gratitude, of taking an inventory of the things that you're grateful for, that is actively rewiring your brain through a process called neuroplasticity. And, you know, I've told this story on the podcast before, but when I was deeply depressed, my therapist was like, I want you to start saying three things you're grateful for a day. And I just thought it was so stupid and lame and woo woo. And, you know, but I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And after a week, I was like, I actually am feeling better. And it kind of just brings you back. It it helps you zoom in into the present moment. Because I think sometimes with depression and anxiety, we're just so zoomed out and thinking of everything possible in the whole entire world that could ever go wrong. And all of these imagined futures and all of this regret in the past, but we're not enjoying what's in front of us. And I think if we can cultivate that as much as possible, that can help both our money and our mental health. Yes, you said it so beautifully. And I agree with you 100%. Perfect. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on how money plays a role in our mental health? What have you seen with your clients, the people you work with? I have seen so many different kinds of people, you know, people with so much money, and people with so little money. And uh, if you have too much or too little, that could create a lot of stress. So if you have more than enough, and if you feel comfortable with what you have, it's great for your mental health. So 
unless you know how to deal with your money stress. It's so easy to fall into this frustration with money when you make it, when you receive it, when you spend it, when you、uh, when you open an envelope and look at your electricity bill is way higher than than you expected. You know, you just almost like feel the physical stress in you. So you have to be very careful. Otherwise, you feel so much stress around money. Yeah, I think they're so intertwined, and that feeling of anxiety, that physical manifestation of anxiety when you look at a bill. I know when I was paying off my eighty-one thousand dollars in student loan debt, I felt physically ill. <laughs> I felt nauseous <laughs> every time I looked at、yes. it, and and that was the、uh-huh. reason why I was so.、Um, Determined to get out of debt as quickly as possible because I knew that the reason I felt that way was only because of my debt, and so I was like, if I want to stop feeling like an elephant is sitting on my chest, if I want to stop feeling nauseous, I need to get rid of this debt. And I've been debt free for five years now, and it's just been so much better for my mental health. And now I can choose to spend my money in ways that actually support my mental health, like I have. In therapy, or through coaching, or through exercise, or through different things, and they're so intertwined. And you know, it's so important. And it really all goes back to taking that first step of adjusting your money mindset. And adjusting your money mindset is so hard because we are culturally conditioned by you know our country we are born in, our family, our friends, so many different things. Constructed us to think a certain way, and I'm curious, you know, what practical tips do you have for people to improve their money mindset? There are so many、uh, simple and easy techniques.、Uh, the most simple one is arigato your money, which I I share with you, and the other one is observe the money flow and how it affects people emotionally, and、uh, you have to make up your mind to. Stay away from money stress, no matter what. So when you when you open an envelope and look at the bill, you just breathe in, and you you can say, "I have more than enough money to pay off my debt," and that makes you feel good, even though it's not really logical. Just feeling good about money is the first thing you can do, and just、uh, look at money, look at your credit card, and you can hug it, you can kiss it, not physically but mentally. And you embrace money, and you you have to like money to be liked by money. So、uh, my question to you is: If money were a person, who would it be? Would it be a kind person, or would it be a scary person? So those are the questions you should start asking yourself, and then gradually you change what you think of money,、uh, uh, the, your concept in your head, and soon. You realize that you worry less about money, and you you find more joy in dealing with money.、Uh, a lot of people try to stay indifferent of money because they don't want to deal with money, even though you have to deal with it every day. So, changing your belief system about money is the first thing. And also, if you have time and if you are willing, you can start looking at your money wounds. That is. Shaping your destiny. I have、uh, given many family counselings in my past, and oftentimes, all the fights between couples originates from their own childhood. 
Uh, we are born and brought up in a, a very different family in terms of finances. Some people are very relaxed about it, and some people are very tough. Like、uh, you get physically abused when you wasted money, you know, at some some family. Not as much as it used to be, but still, you could get scolded、uh, verbally. That has the same effect on you. So you have to heal all the money wounds that you have, or like money scars, I'd say, from your past. And it takes time, but once you start healing your money wounds, your financial situations usually change dramatically. Yes, I think it's so important that we. Address our financial trauma in our life. I think so much of us, so many of us, have financial trauma in some way, shape, or form throughout our life that has affected the way we think about money. And we can work with a financial therapist.、Um, for anyone looking for someone, my friend Amanda Clayman is fantastic. I recommend her. And also, just being really critical in your thinking of. Wondering where did I get these money beliefs? Where did they start? Because I know that I didn't take action on my debt until I really started to evaluate why do I think that student loans are good debt? Why do I feel like I don't need to pay it back? Because everyone has debt. You know, these were kind of the messages I was getting, but they were not working for what I really wanted. So I think it's important for people to be critical thinkers of where these money beliefs actually came from. I love that you mentioned kind of focusing on money wounds, and then I really loved the idea of kind of hugging and kissing your money, and how would it be as a person? Because actually,、uh, my blog, Dear Debt, was a blog about breaking up with debt. So I would write these breakup letters, Dear Debt, <laughs> we're over, and so you know、uh-huh. it's kind of like these Dear John letters, these these big breakup letters. But you know that. Project is kind of on hiatus right now because I'm debt free. But I think we can kind of do the reverse and start writing love letters to money. You know, like true recently true. Valentine's Day. Like we can start writing love letters to money. What does that look like? How can they be a perfect partner <laughs> in your life? Right.、Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So if you start loving money, as you start loving yourself,、uh, your financial situation usually changes. So. I hope you start doing it. Start loving yourself. Start loving money. That will change your life. That is such a profound concept. And when you think about it, so many people are spending so much and so lavishly because they're trying to fill that hole of lack of love. You know, they want the fancy things or the nice things. And not saying that all those things are bad, but an excess when you're trying to fill that void through things. You know, when maybe if you start to love yourself more, you need less. Your relationship to money changes, and things start to work out better. Yes. Perfect. So the last question is kind of about this statement that you made in the book that I thought was really beautiful, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit already. But in the book, you say, "If you think you have enough, you'll be happy." And I thought that was so profound because, like I said, I've been really thinking about this idea of enoughness lately. Because I think so many of us just think constantly we never have enough, and we're constantly dissatisfied, depressed, anxious. So, how can people try to cultivate this feeling of enoughness? Because I just love this statement: "If you think you have enough, you'll be happy." But do you have any tips on how to cultivate that feeling? If you take a look around right now. 
you may be able to see your computer, your iPod or iPhone or a desk or a tissue paper. Those are the things you already have. Like for example, I see two boxes of tissue paper, right? And then I feel like, oh, I have more than enough. You know, just you can smile. And you have probably like um, so many little things. And uh, you can just laugh about yourself. Yeah, indeed, I have more than enough. So if you can start feeling that you have more than enough, instead of focusing, I have only one house, I have only uh, two cars, you know, you focus on scarcity. So focus your mind on the things you already have abundantly. I have more than enough gifts. I have many friends already. Uh, so feeling I have more than enough is a, a, a great magnet that you attract more. In fact, people who keep saying, I have more than enough, tend to attract more. The people who say, I don't have enough money, they, they just repel money. So once you start feeling, I have always, always I have more than enough, uh, fills you up and it sort of like overflows and people can feel it. And they are more attractive than people who keep complaining about, I don't have enough. So just uh, every day when you walk, work, uh, jog, or you're in the middle of shopping, feel I have more than enough. Even though you're in debt, that doesn't really matter because you have more than enough. So uh, feeling more than enough will be a magnet to your abundance. So try feeling that if you can many times a day. I think that's amazing. And, you know, it's so important to take an inventory of what we already have and being grateful for that. Because kind of like I said earlier, when I started my gratitude practice, I thought it was stupid. But then I saw the impacts in my life and it did change my mindset because then I started to be happy with what I had instead of constantly depressed by what I didn't have. And I think if we start to realize that there will always be someone below you and someone above you. So we don't even need to just continue to compare ourselves to others because if we just accept this universal fact that there's always going to be someone below us and above us, you know, we can just continue to run our own race and be grateful for what we have. And I love that you mentioned this idea of kind of attracting more money by saying I already have enough and being grateful and when you were speaking, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, let's imagine you have two friends, one of them who's constantly positive and joyful and happy and spending freely because they have the money and they enjoy it. And then someone that's constantly complaining and depressed, like, who do you want to hang out with? You want to hang out with the person that is feeling more joyful, more jovial. And, you know, not to say that there's anything necessarily wrong with the other person, but, you know, we want to be around that positive energy. And if you think of, yourself becoming that person, then it can transform your relationship with money. Yes, you said it so beautifully. And, and you're such a beautiful influence on the world to make this um, planet a better place. So I really appreciate you, you for doing this. You're an angel oh. on this planet. <laughs> oh, thank you. That means so much to me. It's uh, really amazing. And actually, now that you just said that, we um, need more. <laughs> yes. Actually, another great tool that I kind of learned from someone else that went to my event, 
She said whenever she's kind of feeling depressed or anxious about life and money, she watches this show called How the Universe Works on Amazon Prime. And it's all about the universe and galaxies. And when you start to realize that the universe has been around for billions of years and we're this little speck of matter on Earth for this very short period of time, it kind of really realigns your mindset to be like, you know what, I do have problems, I do have issues, but I can try to enjoy the present because we're really here for a very short period of time when you consider all of history. And so that's another mental readjustment that people can make when feeling kind of down in the dumps about their life and money. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for this interview, Ken. This was lovely. <laughs> Do you have any other um, things you'd like to share with our audience or where can people find you? <laughs> I, thank you, Melanie. I really enjoyed being interviewed by you and having a little chat here. Um, we are almost on the other side of the planet, right? You're in uh, West Coast and I'm in <laughs> Tokyo. And thanks to the technology, if there's anything to appreciate for the last thing, right? So uh, I appreciate you for listening to our conversation and hopefully you start appreciating more about who you are and the people around you and the, the things around you. So um, I hope you start appreciating your life and stay happy. This time could be scary and bad, but you can choose to be happy. That's my message. So make your money a happy money and let it circulate. So we have a better world. Love that message. That's such a beautiful way to end the show. Where can people find you? Oh, uh, you can find um, uh, the information at kenhonda.com, K-E-N and H-O-N-D-A as in a car, kenhonda.com. And I'm translating a lot of stuff from Japanese to English. And there is a, a mini course uh, free of charge. So you can learn about happy money. So hopefully you, um, I will meet you in person someday in North America. I used to go there often, but not anymore now. So hopefully when things are calmer, I'll start flying all over the world. So hopefully to see you in person. And thank you. Yes, I hope so too. And we'll be sure to have all of those resources in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.